morning and welcome to another episode of Recovery from Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Frame, and today is Tuesday, March 16th, 2021. Um, so over the summer, over last summer, we had a lot of uh, protests and it affected different parts of the countries, uh, different parts of the country in different ways. Uh, specifically up here in the Pacific Northwest and uh, Washington State, we have a number of bills uh, going through state Congress trying to address policing. Uh, some bills have bipartisan support and support from the police. So I wanted to look into it. And what I found was more interesting was what was not supported by police unions and bipartisan support. <clears throat> and in fact, couldn't even come to a consensus uh, among the Democrats. So one of the things I thought was interesting was uh, one of the bills proposed that was, uh, or one of the parts of the bill that was proposed was immediately shot down was the prohibition of tear gas. Um, this, you can argue tear gas effectiveness. It does work. Um, I have been tear gassed, uh, although in a controlled setting uh, in the military, uh, they do require it. It's not really fun, um, but to disperse crowds, uh, it it works. That's the sad part. It works. It's considered nonviolent, uh, which is why it is used so much. However, the more tools of nonviolence we have uh, means they tend to get used a little more often than necessary. <clears throat> Certainly, I don't think it should be used on protesters. Um, it's, it's kind of used as a blanket free-for-all. If you have one or two individuals amongst the protesters rioting or looting, uh, then they feel perfectly, you know, okay with firing tear gas into a, into a complete crowd. And, you know, it's indiscriminate. It doesn't care who you are. You could be an elderly person, uh, there who all of a sudden is overcome by tear gas. You could have asthma, which has been proven, uh, the people with asthma do, you know, suffer a lot greater risk with the use of tear gas. And when you're firing into a crowd, you really have no idea what you're doing. You could kill people, you could not. Um, and I find that unknownness uh, a serious problem in our policing. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so that was immediately removed from the table. Another thing. I didn't even know was a thing, was it would prohibit the use of firearm suppressors. So firearm suppressors are silencers. Uh, you see them in movies. Mob, uh, usually the bad guy always has a silencer, uh, which is kind of interesting because I didn't realize police would have need of using a silencer or any kind of suppressor. Now, of course, you can find out the information. Suppressors actually don't do too much uh, as far as um, silencing. They're not anywhere near as quiet as the movies have you believe. You know, in the movies, uh, somebody with a silencer can shoot somebody and the people in the next room have no idea what just happened. That's completely not true. Um, you're definitely making it quieter so that the sound doesn't reverberate as far as it normally would. However, you're still talking about a gunshot, and it's still insanely loud. I mean, if you have a silencer, still please wear hearing protection before you go shooting that thing. 
But again, the surprising thing to me was that, you know, this bill would have prohibited police from using firearm suppressors. I didn't even know they had that. Why would you need one? You're a policeman, you know. Um, and clearly the idea that it was even in the bill means that someone thinks it's a problem. And secondly, that police were immediately against that. No, don't take away one of our toys. <clears throat> um, that, that kind of bothered me as well. Uh, another part of the bill that was immediately removed was the prohibition of police dogs used as weapons. Now, this was not for uh, drug or bomb sniffing uh, dogs or even uh, like bloodhounds you're trying to find someone. <clears throat> this is strictly to prohibit police dogs used as weapons. You know, uh, you've if you've ever watched the show Cops, you'll see that they do frequently use the dog as a weapon. Uh, a suspect is and i've seen it where a suspect is handcuffed on the ground but they're not complying you know they keep trying to stand up or sit up or whatever and the dog is there and the dog will bite them to keep them on the ground uh i recall one episode in particular there was a guy who was hiding in uh, a very large bush so to get him out of this foliage the cop sent in the dog um there was no immediate threat to anyone the person hiding in there uh, was not violent, but the dog was sent in. Um, so I don't agree with that. Um, again, this is one of those, oh, it's not a gun, so it's nonviolent. It's non-lethal, so I can use it at will. And I do think that... The canine units are overused for their purpose. I have no problem, of course, using them. Again, drug sniffing, bomb sniffing, bloodhound hunting kind of a thing. Totally fine. Um, and if self-defense is necessary, of course. But usually the times we see police dogs used, it is as an attacking force that is not provoked. Um I have never seen a situation where a suspect proves to be a threat and then they send in the dog. Because usually if you've got a cop there and he perceives you as a threat, he pulls his gun. You don't send in the dog, period. Especially if the person has a weapon. If the person has a knife or any other kind of weapon, no, you don't send in the dog. You're the police officer. You have a firearm. You would pull it. Um... So I really, uh, you know, it never dawned on me as, uh, as far as, you know, prohibition, you know, just knocking it off and using them. But once I read that this was one of the things the police were fighting, it, it did kind of come to my mind, at least, that, you know, we do misuse the tools that we have, uh, the police especially, and, uh, and the police dog, the canine unit, is a tool that they use, and it's obviously got a loaded history. Dogs have been used for generations. Uh, there is a racial component to it. Um, but, you know, if you're a fan of animals, uh, you hate to see them do this. And also knowing that, you know, if, if you do know dogs, they are not born to be violent, not in that fashion. Uh, they are trained to do so. And that is a direct reflection on us as a, as a human species. So, 
you know, I had no problem with this, but it was very strange to see that the police, uh, you know, immediately removed that from the table saying, no, you can't, you can't take away our weapons. Uh, another thing that they uh, immediately removed was there was a bill proposed that would remove criminal liability protections from police officers who use deadly force. So right now, at least in uh, Washington state, uh, if you are a police officer, you use deadly force, uh, you are protected from criminal liability. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to prison, but it does mean that the family of this, you know, slain individual could sue the officer directly rather than the city. You know, you always hear about, oh, this person's, you know, this person's family member was uh, murdered by police. Uh, it was, you know, everything. So they, they sue, but they can't sue the individual. They can't sue the, the, the person responsible. They can sue the city. So that's where you see, you know, Seattle city has to put out, you know, $3 million to this family of somebody who was wronged by one of their officers. This, you know, the whole point of removing the criminal liability was that, you know, you would think, well, this would encourage police not to use deadly force when it is not authorized. I could also see the, you know, opponents of this bill's thinking is, well, you know, then every time deadly force is used, whether it results in a death or not, and, you know, the definition of deadly force does not mean the person ends up dead. It means you have the intent to kill them. So, even if they don't die, you know, uh, you would see a lot of uh, lawsuits, potentially frivolous lawsuits. Uh, there would be, you know, lawyers descending. You always hear about the, the ambulance chasing lawyers. Well, you would suddenly have an entire industry of lawyers pop up to sue police officers using force. Um, so I could see that. However, you know, as with anything, we can write the laws however we want. And so if you told me, Okay, we're going to remove criminal liability protections from officers, but you could you could have a caveat to that. You could say uh, only officers who are disciplined for you know using deadly force can be subject to criminal liability. So that you know even the even the you know police station acknowledges, yeah, we had to suspend that individual and retrain them because they screwed up. That should that person should be allowed to be sued. They obviously made a mistake. Um, you know, you can make a mistake by accidentally running a stop sign and get sued for it. Um, you know, that that's just the nature of things. So uh, for a police officer who has been trained and took a life or possibly, you know, tried to take a life and just failed at it, you know, yeah, that's, a, you know, if you made a mistake, yeah, you should be open to litigation in this case. So I'm okay with it as long as there's that caveat that, you know, somebody has to acknowledge some wrongdoing, some uh, independent panel or, you know, something. Somebody has to acknowledge it because I do agree that, you know, if you just put this in as a blanket statement, every officer that uses deadly force, I do think that you're going to end up with um, a lot of frivolous lawsuits. Um, it just, it just happens. And, and, not even that it would be malicious. Uh, the lawyers, sure, you know, again, ambulance chasers, they're always looking for a buck. I, do, I don't deny that. But as far as victims' families, you know, uh, you don't want to believe that your loved one is guilty of a crime or, or did something horrific. Um, and it is a human nature, like we discussed yesterday with the uh, victims' rights groups, to 
you know, be emotional about it and want revenge rather than justice. And this could be seen as a means to that end. So, you know, even if the person is coming from all the right directions, it's still possible for them to file a lawsuit that has no real bearing on anything. Meanwhile, you're taking an officer uh, potentially off the streets while they have to deal with this. And since it is their liability, you know, you could accidentally ruin someone's life over something that didn't happen. And again, this this is a slippery slope. This is, or not even a slippery slope. It's just a, a weird situation because on one hand, you're saying you don't want to ruin the officer's life. But on the other, you have to say, yeah, but he clearly ruined someone else's life. Uh, so where is that balance? Uh, which is why I think, you know, as long as there's a caveat in there of, hey, this independent panel found that there was wrongdoing, maybe it doesn't you know, maybe it's a training issue and maybe the, the, the police officer in, in this situation wasn't malicious. You know, this police officer did not, you know, go out thinking I'm going to kill someone tonight and just a uh, bad situation, uh, completely possible. Um, but I don't, I, I do think, you know, just blanketly putting it out there. Eh, eh, I, I would want some assurances that it wouldn't become, you know, one frivolous lawsuit after another. That's all. Um, Again, you want to mitigate the damage, not expand it, um, unfortunately. <clears throat> Another thing that was removed and not supported by police unions or uh, members of the opposite side of the aisle was uh, an option for the state attorney general to investigate and prosecute criminal deadly force. So police officer kills someone. It was criminal in nature. Either the police officer was malicious or they completely disregarded the rules or in that one horrific case where you saw a police officer literally throw a gun down near the body of someone he just executed. Um, that's clearly criminal. Um, so it would have allowed the state attorney general with all of the financial weapons and uh, staff that they have to investigate and then prosecute those crimes. That was removed. So now the state attorney general can't and i think this would have been very good also for the voters all right because then you would have known okay not only am i voting on the attorney general who's going to you know prosecute on my behalf uh you know certain agencies this person's also going to be independently investigating and prosecuting police that do wrong uh right now we don't really have that um you have your local da's but they're local, so there's dozens. There isn't one overarching unifying body who says, hey, you know, this this, this needs to have more attention to it. You know, um, you can be happy in Los Angeles that you have uh, Gascon, who you're pretty sure is going to prosecute the hell out of any cop that uses criminal deadly force. However, one county over, uh, you might have somebody who's completely a shill for the police unions and would never in a million years do it. So there does need to be at least another layer of protection, because we do see that very frequently in the local politics. Um, and of course, as everyone knows, you know, the more rural rural you get, the more right-leaning you get, and those people tend to see police more as the savior than the enemy. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, where they live, there's only 100 people, and of course you know who the sheriff is. You live next door to him. You shop next to him. Um, so obviously, if they do something wrong, you can directly address them. Um, and for me, this is all about layers. The, the reason you would want the state aid, 
attorney general to do it is for the same reason that I kind of want the attorney general of the United States to do it, Merrick Garland. Um, they are larger figures. Larger figures demand more attention. You ask the average person to name their county attorney general. Who's your attorney general? Who represents you locally? No one knows that person. You have a better chance of them knowing your state attorney general, and you have an even better chance of knowing the national attorney general, which means you have someone to contact. You can write a letter, you can write an email, you can make a phone call, you can call your representative to get in touch with this individual. You know, there are means to get to them. If it's local, it's actually much more insulated. Uh, you know, this person can blow you off because you are one phone call. So you know, the, the, the larger the agency, the more attention it draws, and a state attorney general could be put under political pressure, especially after all these Black Lives Matter protests over the summer, to take necessary steps on their own rather than waiting for legislation to be passed and take care of it. So I'm in favor of this, obviously. I, you know, also find it interesting that this is the thing the police don't want, um, but whatever. Uh, and uh, finally, something else that was removed uh, along the same lines as the criminal deadly force is uh, people who are injured and by police misconduct uh, can be uh, can seek damages in state civil court. Uh, so, you know, say you're not arrested, say you're a bystander uh, in one of those riots, say, say you are you go to a Black Lives Matter protest, you are perfectly legal. Most of the people around you are legal. Again, you have the one or two idiots off to the side doing something. So they fire tear gas at you. And of course, you have a lung issue. So the tear gas causes you immense trauma. Maybe you have to go to the doctor, you have to go to the emergency room, they have to, you know, pump you full of drugs and get you all taken care of. Perhaps there's some kind of rehabilitation afterwards, because, you know, lung issues should be taken seriously. You know, definitely do what your doctor says there. Uh, but, you know, you weren't arrested. The police didn't directly accost you, but now you're stuck with this medical bill and maybe you had to take time off from work. Uh, this would have allowed you to seek damages if, for example, somebody after the fact said, yeah, actually that tear gas should not have been fired. That was a complete breach of, of protocol. The police committed misconduct. Uh, this would have allowed that individual, any individual to say, okay, well, you clearly committed misconduct, so I'm going to seek damages because I had to miss work. I had this huge medical bill now, um, and I was doing nothing wrong, and I was not associated with anyone doing anything wrong. So this would have allowed them to do that. Now, specifically, it says that these individuals wouldn't be suing the police officers directly, and they wouldn't be uh, suing the police department. They would have done, as is traditional, you know, you sue the city. So... Once again, Seattle would have to pony up massive bills because of police misconduct. Um, but this was also removed. <laughs> so, you know, I thought it was really interesting. It was it, this this whole thing, you know, when you when they you read what what did they remove? What did they not approve of? What did they get rid of? What do the police not want? They don't want you to take away their toys. They don't want to be held accountable. either directly or indirectly. They don't want to give up their money. They don't want to go to prison. They don't want to be investigated. 
and I'm sitting here, I'm like, well, what the hell did you get? And most of the cases, this is, there is a huge, you know, uh, complete settling, you know? So instead of prohibiting police dogs, they're going to set up an independent commission to study how police dogs are used. And instead of, you know, prohibiting tear gas, again, they're going to set up an independent community panel so the community can discuss the use of tear gas. And it's completely crazy to me. It's like, yes, of course the police union is going to support that because you've given them the other option. You know, if you say, hey, would you like to be prosecuted for using deadly force or would you like to be in, you know, have a community board talk about it? Well, I know which one I would pick. So, of course, the police are going to choose that. Now, on one hand, you could say this is excellent negotiating on the fact uh, on, on the part of the left. The left clearly uh, swung for the fences. And the police unions and the Republicans and even some moderate Democrats were like, whoa, 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 that's too far. But how about we scale it back a little bit? We still give you a little bit of what you want and you just drop the rest of it. That is a negotiating tactic. That is actually something that I think way back when President Obama should have used, you know, especially when he was swinging, you know, he should have come out swinging for the fences on Obamacare and uh, for, for a lot of his other, you know, early achievements uh, when he had the supermajority in the Senate. You know, it was like, dude, you should have swung for the fences. Let the Republicans pull you back. Don't meet them in the middle. You know, that 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 is a, a legit complaint that a lot of people have about negotiating is uh, you, you never meet you, you never start the negotiation from the middle. You know, it's uh, you ever gone car car buying? And of course, they're going to try to sell you the car for the highest price possible. You're going to want to buy it for the lowest price possible. So both of you start there <laughs> and then you gradually work towards a safe middle that both of you can live with. Um, so, I mean, you could say. I suppose you could say this is a win. You know, the stuff that has bipartisan support and is expected to pass and the governor will sign is something. It's not nothing. But at the same time, to, to think that, you know, using tear gas on civilians and firearm suppressors and police dogs as weapons and please don't remove criminal liability protections from police who kill someone and don't let the attorney general investigate us and don't let people who are injured by police misconduct seek damages. I mean, to me, this is ridiculous. Why do police get all these protections? This is what leads to this idea that police believe they can get away with anything. I mean, uh, look, as I said before, the thing about the George Floyd killing was not the fact that a black man was killed by a white police officer. It was that it was done in broad daylight knowing the cameras are less than six feet away, and this police officer smiled into it, knee on the neck of George Floyd, and he knew nothing is going to happen to him. That person is still alive, not in prison. And will probably find another job in security or law enforcement, some position of authority somewhere else. No repercussions. That's what shocked everyone. So, you know, people ask, you know, how did we get here? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Probably the fact that you can't, you can't hold them accountable. Cop comes into my house and murders me. 
that's it. That's the end of the story. There is no heroic moment. There is no lawsuit. There, there's nothing. That person gets to go home to their family that night. I'm dead. It's crazy. That's the world we live in. And then, and then you wonder, you know, how can someone murder someone in broad daylight on camera and not care? Because the rules are in their favor. Insanely in their favor. What are you going to do? Protest? Some people would argue the Black Lives Matter protests actually helped the police. Defund the police came out of the Black Lives Matter protests. Defund the police is a bad slogan. It did not work. It scared the crap out of a lot of people. So, yeah, yeah, don't take away our toys and don't hold us accountable. But we can talk about it on civilian community panels and uh, community boards. And, uh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll do that, but don't do anything else. And to me, it's just shocking. Uh, growing up, you know, police were the good guys. And, of course, I'm, I'm speaking from a point of, you know, white male privilege. The few times I have encountered the police, though, it wasn't positive. Even in the cases where I was the victim. Where I called them or someone called them on my behalf. And I had to encounter the police. They were not a saving grace. You know, nothing serious happened. I've never been handcuffed or anything, but it is, they are very aggressive for something that doesn't require it. None of my experiences with them have been positive. And I can only imagine, I mean, that's that's from a place of white male privilege. Good Lord. <laughs> if, if my encounter with the police is negative, I can only imagine what it is for a minority. And sadly, I don't have to imagine. It's on camera. As I say to everybody, for, for the longest time, I, I was part of the problem. I, I was sitting here going, you know, it's the police aren't that way. They don't pick on you. I have an uncle, and uh, he always complained about constantly getting pulled over and harassed by police. And I remember I blew up at him one time. I was like, Jesus Christ, it's not you. You know, or, or it's not them. It must be you. You're doing something. You don't get pulled over that often. Now, I was speaking from my own experience, which was I'm an extremely annoying, cautious driver. So I, I don't I don't get pulled over. <laughs> I've been pulled over twice. You know. One time totally was my fault. I had just gotten my license and I made a bonehead mistake. The other time I was the only car on the highway. That was it. I, I was in the car with my wife. 
It was late at night, we were driving home, and we were the only car on a two-lane highway. So the cop pulled us over. No reason. Was I doing anything illegal? No. Was I speeding? Uh-uh. But I was pulled over. Because I was in the left lane on the two-lane highway. I was the only car on the road. But again, I was sitting there saying, Jesus, I've, I've only been pulled over less than a handful of times. You must clearly be doing something wrong. And my uncle is also a white man. Uh, so, you know, it didn't click on me at the time. But yeah, I mean, you can only see so many videos and that that's really what's changed things. Technology has opened a lot of people's eyes to it. It's, it's obvious. How many videos do you have to see of black men getting shot in the back, running away from the officer before you admit there's a problem? If there's only a few bad apples, I'm sorry to say there are way too many bad apples. The barrel is rotten. So, I don't know. Policing is difficult, and the laws we have don't make it any easier. Anyway, that's all I got for today. Uh, if you like the show, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Leave a review. Love to read them. Uh, you can reach out to us at recoveryfrompolitics at gmail.com or recovery, or, <clears throat> excuse me, recovery underscore from at Twitter. And you can find us on Facebook, of course. And uh, we'll see you next time.